Our scripture lesson this day comes from Luke, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 13. An interesting parable. Then Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do? Now that my master is taking the position away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it's gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, you have to help us with this one. We don't know quite what you're saying to us, so we ask that your spirit would open our hearts Open our minds so that we may hear what you say to us in this most challenging story. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How in the world does a fast food chicken restaurant run out of fried chicken sandwiches? Well, Popeyes broke the news to its customers with this slickly produced video. Take a listen. When you get like five million people, six million people on social media talking about this sandwich is good. What? No. We're sold out of chicken sandwiches. We sold out in four hours. Yeah. 
So what happened here? And when will the new sandwich be back? Well, let's ask Jose Sil. He's the CEO of Restaurant Brands International, which bought Popeyes for $1.8 billion two years ago. So great to have you with us. The burning question is, have you really run out? When will they be back? When can we get our hands on a new, a new batch of them? Good morning, uh, Julia. Great to be here. Uh, yes, we really have run out. Um, look, we, we do a lot of work and behind the scenes when we uh, develop new products, and we've been working on a, on a great-tasting chicken sandwich at Popeye's for, for quite some time. We have an amazing group of, uh, of chefs, a culinary team that's been working on this for, for over a year, and we started to test it uh, back in uh, about 10 months ago in Houston, and then we've tested it in other markets as well. The idea when we test uh, products in markets is to make sure we understand preference uh, of the product relative to our competitors, but also to understand operational challenges, supply chain, and we do a lot of forecasting and preparation in advance of a national launch uh, to make sure we're ready to deliver that product uh, at, at big volumes all across the country. We did this, and we've done this many, many times over the years. We work with our franchisees, we work with a supply chain team. We had, I think we missed one thing. We didn't expect to break the internet, and, uh, and as a result, we had the entire nation uh, really excited about the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, and, uh, and, and as a result, we ran out much sooner than uh, we anticipated. And we so one of the things that my wife and I talk about on, uh, during the week, when it's a sermon that I'm about to preach, she always asks me, she says, what are you preaching about? And I never usually say what I'm preaching, but I usually say something, you know, uh, you know, I usually say, well, I'm preaching about Jesus. And it just drives her crazy. I'm going to keep saying that. So this week, I decided I'm going to turn over a new leaf. She asked me, she says, so what you preaching about this week? I said, chicken sandwich. And she looked at me, and she shakes her head. And she rolls her eyes, and she says, I don't know why I talk to you. <laughs> but I'm not lying. I mean, I, I heard about this chicken sandwich. See, I have two favorite channels in life, YouTube and Twitter. I get 50% of my information from those two things. And I got to tell you, I heard about this chicken sandwich, and I wanted it. And then until that one evening, my heart was broken because I saw on Twitter that they had run out of this chicken sandwich. I was heartbroken. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm a youth ministry veteran. And I said, one thing I learned that has been ingrained in my spirit over the years is that there is nothing greater in life than Chick-fil-A. And I was like, there's no way that there is a sandwich, a chicken sandwich, better than the original chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Apparently, this one is. I mean, the sandwich was so good, it's so good, apparently, that there are certain municipalities that were reported to have called Popeyes and made them stop serving the sandwich because the traffic it was creating was causing issues in their towns. They were selling out of this sandwich shortly after lunchtime. 
We went, in fact, one night just to get Popeyes because Aaron had a gift certificate. And it was funny in that drive-through line, there were people literally driving up their cars, pulling up to the window and screeching away because there was a sign that said, no, we don't have the chicken sandwich yet. It's also reported that news of this chicken sandwich actually broke the internet. There was so much traffic, so much commentary about this chicken sandwich that for about 31 minutes, if you tried to do a Google search, it would not have worked because it flooded the internet. You know something? I think the church could learn a thing or two from this chicken sandwich. In fact, I think there is something for us as a church both here and the Big C Church, the church all over, that we can learn in a time in which we are learning and rediscovering who we are and our position in culture. And I think it's important because if you, if you Google Canyon Creek Presbyterian Church, there's about 16 Google reviews, you know the little stars? Well, if you go down about the fourth one, there's a review, and it says about Canyon Creek Presbyterian Church. And this is the response. Canyon Creek Presbyterian Church, the place where auto middle school parents park their cars so they don't have to get in the pickup line. That's what it says. Have we ever thought what people say about us and why we're here. I mean, you've got this big, we've got this big beautiful building, the shiny gold cross and this great review that says, Canyon Creek, the church where auto middle school parents park their cars to avoid traffic in the pickup line. If any of us were asked this question, what would we say? What would our neighbors say? about Canyon Creek Presbyterian Church. Maybe this is the point of this morally obtuse, challenging parable that Jesus here teaches. It's hard to accept, right? It's hard to hear this. But it's also hard to face the reality that we face as a faith community right now. It's challenging to think as we sit here and we watch, and I know some of us probably look at other things like this, and we see, you know what, how in the world is this thing down the street packing out the people? How in the world are these secular organizations doing all of these creative things? And how in the world would that inform and shape what we do as a church? I mean, we're a church. We act different than them, right? Well, just as that's challenging, it's also a challenge to hear the master in this parable actually commend the manager for acting shrewdly. Well, let's talk about this shrewd action. So here you've got this dishonest manager who's getting ready to get let go. And he's thinking to himself, you know what, this hammer's about to drop. I'm about to be out of a job. So what I need to go do is I need to go start thinking about my future and providing for myself. I need to go out and start making some relationships. 
It's a popular word, right? Relationships. But he doesn't do it in a churchy kind of way. No, how does he go about doing it? What does he do? He meets with those that owed the master. And what does he do? He releases their debt. So wait a minute. So this guy's about to get fired for being dishonest. So he thinks it's a great idea to go out and release debts that aren't actually his. Just pouring essentially gasoline on the fire. And I can hear that faint voice of Forrest Gump saying, stupid is as stupid does. But not so fast. The manager is commended by his master for acting shrewdly. I'm not sure Jesus is really lifting up the dishonest manager as an exemplar of morality. Jesus is instead challenging his hearers. Jesus is challenging his audience. Well, who is his audience? You see, his audience in this moment is not the masses down by the riverside. His audience here are the disciples. The challenge to be as clever as this dishonest manager when they're going out into the world and building his church. So what does that mean for us? I mean, what do we do with that? Would the most holy and perfect Jesus tell us to do these sorts of things? Why, certainly not. Well, not so fast. Wouldn't be the first time. Behold, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as as doves. So what does it mean to be shrewd in the context of faith and ministry? Well, Popeyes just showed us. It sounds silly, but that's what the parable's about, right? Things of the world, the people of the world are so much better. He calls them the children of this age are so much better and more astute at reaching out then we are the children of the light. In his book, Canoeing Mountains, Todd Bolsinger writes about the grumpy presence that's located in a particular part of each church. Churches everywhere. And this grumpy presence listens to the word of the, of the young preacher when they're talking about how they move forward as a church together, this young preacher doesn't talk about little technical changes that can be made, but it's talking about these things like adaptive leadership. And the young preacher quotes Heifetz. And in the narthex, right after the service, the grumpy presence goes to that preacher and says, why in the world do we need to hear about all this business stuff in the church? Jesus doesn't need that. Look around. Jesus ain't here. It's us. 
We need all the help we can get. We are in uncharted territory. It's an unprecedented time, but one of great promise. That's what Jesus is doing here to his disciples. The kingdom is at hand. I am here. The work I am going to do is going to change this world forever. You have been invited. You have been chosen to be a part of it. Cast your fears aside. Be bold. Be willing to stretch the walls out a little bit. Get out there and make some relationships. You know, Popeye's chicken sandwich has taught us that if it's good, people will want it. If it's good, people will wait for it. If it's good, people will want to be a part of it. People nowadays just want to be part of anything. And Popeye's capitalized on that knowing that people right now want to be a part of anything, even the craze of a chicken sandwich. Now, church, surely we have so much more to offer than a chicken sandwich. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the church. We should be willing to go the extra mile, to push the walls out, and forget blurring the lines, to change the lines altogether. That's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus invites us to do. Do we want to get out there and build relationships wherever we go? Are we willing to blur the lines to do that? Is it worth it? Yes, it is. It's safe to say that the dishonest manager here is had self-serving intentions in releasing the debts of all the people. Uh, And there's something here about the gospel. That the gospel, there's something so good about the gospel that as the preacher at the great revival would say that the gospel's so good that it can squeeze the glory out of any situation or circumstance or anybody. That's how good the gospel is. So if we, if we think about that and we think about where we are now, we know that we are either sitting next to, looking at, came with, or are listening to a hot mess. And God says, I choose y'all. God says, I care about everybody, and I can use anybody. If you think about it, each of us is here because of a relationship. Each of us. I'm standing here saying these words because of a relationship. Some of you are here because somewhere along generationally, whether it's this one or the one before, the one before, someone built a relationship in which the person, the hearer, experienced the love of God in Jesus Christ. 
And it may not have been in the most churchy way. My call to ministry wasn't a mountaintop experience. In fact, no, it happened when I got married. As we were standing up there, my wife and I, scared half to death at what we're about to do. I think she was a little bit more scared than I was. But we're standing up there, and we're looking at each other, and I'm just, oh my gosh, this is big, this is huge. And she's saying something to me as we're standing there looking at each other, and I can't make out her words, and she's saying, And I said, I'm sitting there looking like, and I'm like, oh, God, she's, she's backing out. What do I do? I, I don't know. I mean, she, what, God, what's going on? And she says, I don't have a ring. And I say, oh, gosh, what do we do? So I'm looking at the Reverend Gary Bryant. He's a big man, 6'5", 280. I mean, he's just a mammoth of a person. When you're that big, you typically got really big hands. And so he pulls our hands together. We hadn't gone over this in our practice. He pulls our hands together, and he joins our hands, and his big bear claw just covers us. And I don't know how he did it, but you see this ring? He somehow, while saying something that was not on his script, he was talking about Jesus and marriage and all this wonderful stuff. He's sliding the ring off my finger, this one right here. And somehow, some kind of way, he gets it to Brandy, who gets it back to her bridesmaid, who then gets it to her at the pre presentation of the ring. And no one noticed in the room, this is the ring she put on my finger. Because her bridesmaid left it in the glove compartment of her car. <laughs> and as silly as it sounds, it was in that moment I knew that's what I wanted to do and be for people. I wanted to have that kind of impact that I could have calmed the nerves of two petrified young people who were making the biggest decision of their life. It was one of the greatest moments of pastoral ministry I had ever witnessed. And that's when I knew this is what I want to do. So when we say you want to build relationships, are we willing to be so shrewd as to step out there and do it? This parable, as hard as it is to hear, is about the power of relationship. In her commentary on this passage, Lois Malcolm says that the true nature of relationship is about reciprocity. When we release other people's debts, it not only enriches them, but it also establishes a new kind of covenant with ourselves. And this is hope, because if we go and build relationships wherever it is we go, we don't have to be so afraid that we're going to lose ourselves, because that's a real fear. If we're going to go and build, yes, it's going to cost us something. Yes, we can't have one foot in the Egypt and one foot in the promised land. Yes, it's going to call and invite us to step out and engage in ministry using different methods and forms. But Popeye's showed us the way. You see, it's not a new chicken sandwich that Popeye's offered. It's not. But what they did was they added a warm brioche bun. 
three thick spicy pickles and spicy mayo to a sandwich that they've been doing for years. They didn't change who they were. They simply offered who they are in a different way. So what does the parable of the dishonest manager teach us? Well, he was dishonest, but he was shrewd in building relationships. And the question I ask myself, that God asks all of us today is, would God ever accuse any one of us as being so shrewd? Time will tell. Amen.